All right, get your Bible open to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, the bottom line up front is this, that Jesus teaches us that leaders must humble themselves and serve others in order to be great in the eyes of God. Uh, Jesus teaches us that leaders must humble themselves and serve others in order to be great in the eyes of God. All right, so a few years back, I was at basic chaplain course in Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, and we went to a restaurant one evening in order to speak with General Timothy Gregory. Now, Timothy Gregory is a kind of a meek, unassuming man. You wouldn't look at him and say, that is a general in the United States Air Force. You wouldn't say that. But as we were sitting around the table, we were all eating our great Alabama food, and one of the chaplains there starts picking at uh, Chaplain Gregory. He keeps asking all these questions, and, and he's asking questions like this. What steps are needed for me to progress? How can I reach colonel? How can I reach general? What do I need to do in order to stand out, to put myself above my peers? Now, Chaplain Gregory, he doesn't address this, this guy in particular, but what he does is he addresses the whole group, and he says, in the Chaplain Corps, those who want to climb the ladder and make rank typically don't make it. The ones who do well, the ones who get colonel, who get general, are the ones who do their job, they love their people, and they seek to serve others. Chaplain Gregory had just shut this other chaplain down. You know, there's a term that sometimes you hear in the corporate world and actually in life in general. He or she is gunning for you. They're gunning for you. What that means is they're on your rear. They're looking for an opportunity to take you out. And if you have somebody gunning for you, you can't trust them. You can't work in that kind of organization because you're always wondering how they're going to step over you, what they're going to do in order to take what you have away from you. See, I think we all know of people in life who try to use every opportunity to get ahead. Maybe it's a boss who loves their position, loves being the person with power and authority, the one who can tell people what to do. We, we know people like that who use their rank, power, and position in order to serve their ego. Maybe it's a coworker who's willing to do anything and everything to get your spot or to get above you, to make rank, to make that position. Maybe it's a sibling who was always putting you down in order to lift themselves up. And maybe, maybe you're the one who's doing that to others. Maybe you're the one trying to get ahead. Maybe you're the one vying for a position, a power. Maybe you're the one who's seeking it out or holds the power. Well, the leadership that Jesus teaches us is a leadership that's defined by servant leadership. Throughout this series, we've been talking about what leadership looks like in the Bible. We've been talking about pastoral transitions uh, between Moses and Joshua, between David and Solomon. And then we've also been talking about how we follow one another when we spoke about Timothy and Paul. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to start looking at Jesus' leadership style and how he leads other people and how we can lead as well. So if you have your Bible, get it open to John 13, verses 1 through 17, and it begins like this. It says, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. 
that the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. After drying them with the towel he, that was wrapped around him, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. And then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Now skip down to verse 12. It says, when Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put clothes, his clothes on and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That is servant leadership. Let me give you a context. So Jesus is about to die. And these are his last moments with his disciples, and he's giving them one last teaching about how to lead. He's showing them what humility looks like. This is an extreme act of humility on Jesus' part. He set aside his status as the teacher, as the Son of God. He took off his robe, which is his outer garment, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin, and he took the disciples' dirty feet, and he began to clean them. See, foot washing was a common thing back then. It was something that you did as an act of hospitality for those who are entering into your home. Washing the, feast, the feet of the guest was something that the household servant would do. And if the servant was around, it always fell to the person of lowest position. That's the person who would do it. And so it's no wonder that Peter, when, when he was about to have his feet washed by Jesus, Peter objected. You will never wash my feet, Jesus. See, seeing his master in an act of servitude, uh, acting like a slave, was shocking. Peter did not feel as if he was worthy of this. And he did not think it was a, the right status for his master be t- to be taken on the status of a slave. This is not arrogance, this is confusion. Peter felt like he should be the one that washes Jesus' feet, not Jesus washing his feet. But Jesus responded this way. He says, but if I don't wash your feet, you don't belong to me. See, the lesson here is this, that unless Peter submitted to Jesus and allowed Jesus to minister, he would never learn what it's like to be truly humble. And the lesson is true for us. Unless we allow Jesus to wash our feet, we can never wash the feet of others. Unless we accept Jesus' submission on the cross, we can't submit to the cross. Until we understand that Jesus came to serve, we cannot serve. Until we understand the humility of Jesus, we cannot begin to understand humility on our own. 
Jesus embodies what servant leadership looks like, and a leader is called to serve. Uh, disciples, the disciples continued on in this servant leadership model, and the servants of those that they ministered to, and they became servants of those they ministered to. Uh, that's why any pastor, any person in a leadership role within the church, they are not called the leader, they are called the servant of all. I, I'm here to serve this church, that is my vocation, just like you are here to serve in the church. This is the way that Jesus taught us. So today what I want to do is I want to give you three lessons, three real-life practical applications on servant leadership that we find in the Bible that we find from Jesus Christ. And lesson number one is this, that servant leaders, servant leadership changes our perspective on leading. There's a book called Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And basically what Simon does is he talks about officers and the Marines. He starts off with a story. He says, officers always eat last. So when their troops are going through the chow line, the officers are always on the tail end. See, successful leaders put their people first. Now, that doesn't mean that the officers are going to be easy on them. No, they're Marines. They're, they're going to be hard on them because Marines are tough, right? But what Cynic is talking about is leaders create a culture. And that culture must be in, in the way that where the leaders submit and serve their people. And what this does is it creates a culture of trust and of health and safety. And it frees people so that they can work together. Uh, compare this to that chaplain meal that I had uh, with the, the general. See, that meal, we had all these chaplains who are sitting around, and there's this one chaplain who's seeking to outperform everyone else, seeking to rise above. And we also see this kind of act in the gospel, because that's who we are as human beings. We seek to rise above other people. See, here's what happens. Jesus has displayed his power and his authority, and the disciples are like, I want to be part of his kingdom. I want to be part of his kingdom. And so the disciples start arguing about their roles within the kingdom. Luke 9, 46 through 48, it reads, Then the disciples began arguing about which one of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side, and he said, Anyone who welcomes this child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. See, what Jesus knew is there was a competition within his disciples. They were vying for the positions. And the disciples, they could not do what Jesus had called them to do if they were going to continue to do that. They could not continue to argue about what their role is going to be in the new kingdom that Jesus is establishing because they were losing sight of Jesus' message. Who will be the greatest? Well, Jesus teaches that true greatness is to deny oneself. True greatness means that you willingly serve other people. True greatness means following the master. Chaplain Gregory said it like this, those who do well are the ones who serve. See, greatness is found in servanthood. True leaders willingly lay down their lives for others. It's an attitude change. You humble yourself. You do things for others, and you don't expect any praise or adoration or glory. And that goes counter to the world. See, in the world, we seek honor. We seek attention. We seek respect. But Jesus came not to, uh, not to 
lord over his power, but to serve. And in service, he becomes great. See, Jesus wanted them to change their attitude toward greatness. See, servant leadership changes our perspective on leading. Lesson number two is this, that a servant leader is humble. A servant leader is humble. Uh, So a few years back when I was in seminary, Bishop Palmer came to our seminary, and he was sitting around the table with all these young seminarians, and we were all guys. We all had something to prove. And as they were sitting around the table, all these seminarians, we kept talking about all the things that we're, we're going to do in the church. Uh, all, all the people around were like, you know, I've got this dream for the church, and, and I, I'm doing all these things. And they're talking about their accomplishments. They're basically trying to make themselves stand out. And, and here I am, and I'm not saying anything at all. I'm just kind of watching all this happening. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And, and Bishop Palmer, he looks at me, and he says, what about you? What about you? And I say, I'm just happy to be here. And it was so off, I don't know if anybody even noticed it, but then they just kept on going on with their accomplishments. I'm, I'm not really a humble person. I, I struggle with that. But in that moment, it was a moment of humility because humility is the absence of self. See, our problem is, is that oftentimes we think too highly on ourselves. We think about our own looks. We think about our own intelligence, our ability, our relationships, and we lift ourselves up. We are really, truly somebody. But humility is the ability to remove yourself from the equation. If you lived life, you have experienced humility. You have had a slice of humble pie, right? We all learn that we're not as good as we think we are. We all learn that we are not as smart as we think we are. We all learn later on in life that what our parents told us was not true, that we cannot be anything that we want to be because we have limitations. That's life. Now, Jesus is God, and Jesus has no limitations. And I want you to see how Jesus treats this. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by being found in the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. See, Jesus was humble on purpose. He did not come to be served, but to serve. He surrendered himself for others. He was not ashamed to humble himself, to take off his outer robes, and to wash the dirty disciples' feet, to take on the nature of a servant. And that's why he submitted himself to the cross. But why? Why would Jesus do this? Why would the Son of God, God himself, come down here, take on the very nature of a servant, and serve us? Well, that's because that's Jesus' natural state of being. That's what God is like. We serve a God who humbles himself. He does not think of himself so highly. I mean, God has infinite power and ability, and God still takes on the nature of a servant. And so we as Christians, we look to Jesus as our example, and we humbly submit to others. Don't think too highly of yourself. 
Don't let your ego get out of control. And here's what's cool. When you learn to submit yourself to others, there's a byproduct from this. When we remove ourselves from the equation, we have a closer relationship with God because we're getting closer to our natural state, which is life with God. We are more content because we're not worried about our own ego. We're not worried about somebody damaging it. We are more joyful in life because we don't have to worry about like, oh man, they, they just insulted me, whatever. No, you just have joy because you're content with where you are at. So the second leadership lesson that we learn is that a servant leader is humble. Lesson number three on servant leadership is this, that a servant leader understands that they submit to a higher power. A servant leader understands that they submit to a higher power. Uh, I read a book by Viktor Frankl called A Man's Search for Meaning. Some of you have probably read it before, but basically throughout the, the first part of it, he talks about his life in the concentration camp. He was a Jewish man who was put into a concentration camp, and he was there for quite a long time. And at first, it, there was shock. Uh, there was death all around him. There's horrible living conditions. There was lice. There was pests. There was malnutrition. Everything that you could ever imagine, plus the fact that they were dehumanized. They weren't even called by a name. They were called by a number. And then the second phase was apathy. After a while, you just got used to it. You got used to seeing death every single day. You got used to just surviving, doing anything that you could to survive. Life was all about protecting your own life and protecting the life of your friends. And people wasted away physically and emotionally, but they were always able, to, the prisoners were always able to see or to know who was going to die next. See, they, they knew it because they could see when somebody had given up on life. And giving up on life was a spiritual death that led to a physical death. He said this, that those who longed to live for something lived. Now, some people longed for their wife. Some people longed for their children. Some people longed to be with God, to, to serve God faithfully. But whatever it was, they submitted to a higher power, a power that was higher than themselves in that moment, and they were able to transcend their suffering, and they were able to find hope in the future. And we see this with Jesus as well. Jesus submitted himself to a higher authority. In John chapter 6, verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who has sent me. See, there's a laser focus on Jesus' ministry. In the very beginning of the Gospels, it says that Jesus came so that he might save people from their sins. He would preach the word and introduce the kingdom of God. He would give people who are walking in darkness a light and a hope for eternity. See, Jesus submitted to God in order to fulfill his mission. The simple fact is that when we submit ourselves to a higher power, we can endure anything. But there's another truth. Each one of us submits to a higher power. Now, it might not be something good. In fact, many of us submit to a higher power that is sort of not good. Some of us submit to ourselves to the God of material things and to wealth. Some of us submit ourselves to the God of pride and ego. Or maybe it's the God of family and sports and so on and so forth. But all these things are temporary. 
But when we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, when He becomes Lord of our life, we submit ourselves to a God who's unchanging, a God who is eternal and invites us to eternity, a God who gives us purpose and hope and meaning. And meaning. And so lesson three is this, a servant leadership understands that they submit themselves to a higher power. A servant leader understands that they submit themselves to a higher power. Now, here's the thing. You all have it within yourself to become a servant leader. Even if you don't see yourself as a leader, you are a leader. Because you can put yourself, or you can put others before yourself. You can let go of your own ego. You can seek to serve and not be served. You can submit your life to Jesus Christ. Now, Peter, remember how he rejected Jesus washing his feet. But he later on comes to understand what it was all about. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, he says this. He says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So clothe yourself in humility. You all have the ability to do that. What does that mean? It means that your behavior and your words and how you treat people, you are showing humility in all those things. And there's a promise here in the scripture that if you humble yourself, if you lower yourself, then God will lift you up. You know, there's an old Ella Fitzgerald song, when I get low, I get high. I don't know if that has the same meaning, but that's basically what Peter is saying is when we get low, we get high. Jesus lifts us up. And God's blessings will flow to those who are humble, not to those who are proud, not to those who have a high ego. No, to those who lower themselves, who become less, who reduce their ego and get rid of it. Jesus teaches us that as leaders, we must humble ourselves. We must serve other people. And if we do this, then we will be great in the sight of God. And really, what else matters in life? Now, what what would it look like if we who follow Jesus took on servant leadership? What would it look like if we who follow Jesus took on servant leadership and we sought to serve other people? What would it look like if we humbled ourselves, if we put other people before our own needs? This is the kingdom of God. This is what it's all about, folks. This is what Jesus Christ came to do. He came so that we could live like him, so that we can bring the kingdom of God so that people on this earth can experience it here and now, a foretaste of what heaven will be like. And it is possible that we can create that kind of culture. We can do that. We can bring God's kingdom. And you know where where it starts? It starts here in the church. This is our training ground. This is where we practice it. And the world is where we live it. So we are here to serve other people, to serve God, to submit ourselves to God. And we can do that starting today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word brings power and meaning and hope to our lives. Lord, help us to be leaders in our lives. Help us to serve. Help us to lead in the way that Jesus taught us to lower ourselves, to take on a a humble nature, to let go of the things that separate us uh, and you, to let go of our ego, 
Lord, we pray that you will help us to lower ourselves. We know that your blessings will flow to those who lower themselves, Lord, and so we want those blessings. We want to lower ourselves in our lives so that we will be blessed by you. Lord, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.